And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's February 26th, 57th day of the year. Only 308 days remain to the end of the year. And then we get to do it all over again. Holidays and observances, which you all ask me to announce every day. National Pistachio Day. National Tell a Fairy Tale Day. It's that way in Congress every day. National Personal Personal Chef Day. National Carpe Diem Day. Levi Strauss Day. Play More Cards Day. For Pete's Sake Day. Jewish Book Week. Cornish Pastry Week. Peace Corps Week. Famous people born on this date, Johnny Cash, the man in black. National Black History Month, Canned Food Month, National Snack Food Month, National Children's Dental Month, Harley Quinn Month, National Broadway Month, National Grapefruit Month, National Women Inventors Month, Great American Pie Month, International Vegan Cuisine Month, American Heart Month, National Cherry Month, National Bake for Family Fun Month, National Bird Feeding Month, National Heart Breakfast Month, National Library Lovers Month, Low Vision Awareness Month, National Fasting February, and North American Inclusion Month. Okay, all that having been said, in 747 B.C., according to Ptolemy, the origin of the the Bonasar era began at noon on this particular date. Stories use this to establish the modern B.C. chronology for dating historic events. In 364 A.D., Valentinian I proclaimed Roman Emperor. 1266, Battle of Benevento, army led by Charles, Count of Anjou, defeats a combined German and Sicilian force led by Manfred, King of Sicily. Manfred is killed in the battle, and Pope Clement IV invests Charles uh, as King of Sicily and Naples. To the victors go the spoils. 1365, the Ava Kingdom and the royal city of Ava, founded by King Thado Menbaya. 1606, the Jazun Voyage of 1605 becomes the first European expedition to set foot on Australia, although... At the time, it was thought to be part of New Guinea. 1616, Galileo Galilei is formally banned by the Roman Catholic Church for teaching or defending the view that the earth orbits the sun. Of course, the church cannot be wrong, don't you know? 1775, the British East India Company factory in Balambangan Island is destroyed by Moro pirates. 1794, the first... Christianborg Palace in Copenhagen burns down. 1815, Napoleon Bonaparte escapes from exile on the island of Elba. 1870, the, the beach pneumatic transit in New York City, intending as a demonstration for a subway line, opens up. 1876, Japan and Korea signed the Treaty of Kangwa, which grants Japanese citizens extraterritorial rights in Korea. Opens three Korean ports to Japanese trade and ends Korea's status as a tributary state of the Qing Dynasty, China. 
1909. Kinema Cutler, first successful color motion picture process, is first shown to the general public at the Palace Theatre in London. 1914. HMHS Britannic, sister of the RMS Titanic, is launched at uh, Harlan and Wolf Shipyard in Belfast. 1919. President Woodrow Wilson signs an act of Congress establishing the Grand Canyon National Park. 1929, President Calvin Coolidge signs legislation establishing the 96,000-acre Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. 1935, Adolf Hitler orders the Luftwaffe be reformed, violating the provisions of the Treaty of Versailles. 1935, Robert Watson Watt carries out a demonstration near Daventry, which leads directly to the development of Radar in the United Kingdom. 1936, February 26th incident, young nationalist Japanese military officers assassinate multiple uh, cabinet statesmen and start a rebellion in downtown Tokyo. It's ended three days later. 1945, World War II, U.S. troops reclaimed the Philippine Islands of Corregidor from the Japanese. 1952, Vincent Massey sworn in as the first Canadian-born Governor General of Canada. 1960, a New York-bound Alitalia airliner crashes into a cemetery in Shannon, Ireland, shortly after takeoff. Killed 34 of the 52 people on board. 1966, the Apollo program. The launch of the AS-201, the first flight of the Saturn 1B rocket, took place on this date. 1971, a U.N. Secretary General Yu Thant signs the United Nations Proclamation of the Vernal Equinox's Earth Day. 1979, a Superliner rail car enters revenue service with Amtrak. Uh, 1980, Egypt and Israel establish full diplomatic relations. 1987, Iran Contra affair. Tower Commission rebukes President Ronald Reagan for not controlling his national security staff. 1992, the first Nagorno-Karabakh War. Kohale Massacre, Armenian Armed Forces opened fire on Ziri civilians at a military post outside the, the town of uh, Kohale, leaving hundreds dead. 1993, World Trade Center bombing. New York City, a truck bomb parked below the North Tower of the World Trade Center explodes, kills six, and injures over a thousand people. 1995, the UK's oldest investment banking institution, Barings Bank, collapses after a rogue securities broker named Nick Lessons loses $1.4 billion by speculating on the Singapore International Money Exchange using futures contracts. That was an oops event. 2008, the New York Philharmonic Program performs in Pyongyang, North Korea. First event of its kind to take place in North Korea. 2012, a train derails in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, killing at least three and injuring 45. 2012, 17-year-old African-American student Trayvon Martin is shot to death by neighborhood watch coordinator George Zimmerman in an altercation in Sanford, Florida. Uh, 2013, a hot air balloon crashes near Luxor in Egypt and kills 19 people. 
2019, Indian Air Force fighter jets targeted Jaish-e-Mohammed terrorist training camps in Balakot. And in 2021, a total of 279 female students between 10 and 17 are kidnapped by bandits in the Zamfara kidnappings in Zamfara State in Nigeria. The only problem with something like that is what do you do with them? Well, we've been talking about a lot of strange topics. The last few shows have been about... uh, Secrets of the past, unsolved mysteries, if you will. The um, you know one of the main topics of um, <clears throat> as I was saying. When you talk about historical mysteries, one of the biggest, of course, is the lost city or the lost continent of Atlantis. Now, for those that have been living under a rock or maybe had a classic education, Atlantis was a legendary island in the Atlantic Ocean, lying to the west of the Strait of Gibraltar. Now, the principal sources of information for the uh, the legend, as it were, were two of Plato's dialogues, Timaeus and Critias. In Timaeus, Plato described how Egyptian priests in conversations with the Athenian lawmaker, Solon, described Atlantis as a island, larger than Asia Minor and Libya combined, and Situated just beyond the pillars of Hercules, about 9,000 years prior to Solon's birth, the priest said the Atlantis was a rich island whose powerful princes conquered many of the lands of the Mediterranean until they were finally defeated by the Athenians and the Athenians' allies. <coughs> Athenians eventually became wicked, and the, excuse me, the Atlanteans originally uh, eventually became uh, wicked and Impious, turned against the gods, as it were, and the island was swallowed up by the sea as a result of earthquakes. And in Critias, uh, Plato supplied a history of the commonwealth of, Atl- of the Atlanteans. Uh, there are those that say that the, he used the uh, the story as a uh, backdrop for telling his tale of uh, how world, the world ought to be. Now, there were those that thought Atlantis was a mere legend, but medieval European writers who uh, got the tale from Arab geographers believed it to be true. Later writers tried to identify it with an actual country. After the Renaissance, attempts were made to identify Atlantis with America or Scandinavia or even the Canary Islands. The story of Atlantis, if Plato didn't invent it, uh, may in fact reflect ancient Egyptian records of a volcanic eruption on the island of Thera, which took place about 1500 B.C. The eruption, one of the most stupendous of historical times, was accompanied by a series of earthquakes and tsunamis that uh, 
shattered civilization on Crete, which may well have given rise to the legend of Atlantis. The um, no, the, the lost city of Atlantis um, is one of the most enduring mysteries of human civilization. A favorable place of legend and wonder that has captured imagination of civilization for centuries. But of course, no matter how you approach it, there's one major question that no one has ever answered. Did it ever really exist? Now, as I say, Plato is the one who publicized it. Um, he did that in 360 B.C. And he claimed the lost civilization of Atlantis had existed a staggering 9,000 years before his own era. That's a distant, mysterious time, shrouded in myth and legend. And even before Atlantis, there was supposed to be Lemuria, another lost civilization. The, uh... Hmm. Well, I got all kinds of things popping up on my computer here. Oh, there we go. Now, according to Plato's Socratic Dialogues, Atlantis was an incredibly advanced and beautiful city. And it was the primary habitation on the island of Atlantis. Its layout was concentric with alternating rings of water and land. Um... Supposedly, the center of the city was the um, temple to the uh, one of the gods, and there he had put his uh, the human female that he had chosen to be his. And that's why he had the concentric rings, alternating water and land. You know, sparkling blue water surrounded the city along with intricate and ornate architecture, towering temples, majestic statues. And it was said the city of Atlantis even had the ability to harness the power of the sun using crystals. The inhabitants were described as technologically advanced um, with great naval power. All in all, the city was said to be a utopia. Or at least it came to be seen as one, thanks to Ignatius Donnelly, a former U.S. congressman, who, rather than doing his job in Congress in 1882, published Atlantis, the Antediluvian World. He was the primary impetus behind the idea that Atlantis was a, a paradise. He downplayed the warnings Plato originally intended the story to be. Now, the mythology describes the inhabitants of Atlantis as being demigods, half human, half god. Because Poseidon, the god of the sea, fell in love with a human named Cleito, 
made the sanctuary for her and had demigod children. God supposedly started intermingling with humans and the legend states that the demigods inhabiting Atlantis became greedy and unruly. As a result, the gods overseeing Atlantis punished them with earthquakes and fires and floods that caused the island to sink. According to Plato, in a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared into the depths of the sea. Well, whether it's myth or real, the location of Atlantis remains a mystery. There's no consensus among scholars and researchers even regarding the probable hypothetical location of this mysterious uh, city. Atlantic Ocean is often considered a likely spot where the lost city of Atlantis could reside. Anastasius Kircher, a notable German Jesuit scholar and highly respected figure of his era, placed Atlantis in the center of the Atlantic Ocean on an incredibly detailed map created in the 1660s. In fact, it's one of the oldest maps with Atlantis' supposed location annotated. Other theories suggest it may have been located in the Mediterranean Sea near the Azores island of Spain, uh, while others propose it may have been situated in the Caribbean. Some have even speculated that Atlantis could have been located in Antarctica. Well, Plato depicted Atlantis in his works as an island exceeding the size of Libya and Asia combined, situated in the Atlantic Ocean beyond the Pillars of Hercules, a site that's widely believed to be the Straits of Gibraltar, though there's no definitive proof of that. An island of that size should leave some indication of its existence, but And somebody said Atlantis was probably in that location. That's according to New York State Museum history cur curator uh, Charles Orser. Despite numerous efforts to locate the lost city, no definitive evidence has ever been found to support any of the theories. There's also been no other mentions of Atlantis or in any of the uh, known historical texts prior to Plato. Now, there's been so much debate as to whether Atlantis was real or made up, just a figment of a fertile imagination, that um, no matter what position you take, somebody else has probably taken it prior to you. Whether there are plenty of true believers out there, most scientists and interested parties don't consider it to have ever really existed. According to Discover Magazine, the consensus seems to be that Plato's Atlantis story wasn't a typical work of historical fiction, but a intricate allegory that aimed to express his philosophical beliefs about the... Uh, innate harm of aggression, aggressive imperialism. In this narrative, the mythical city served as a foil for an idealized version of Athens that uh, existed centuries before Plato's time. By contrasting the two societies, Plato painted a vivid picture of the potential uh, consequences of political corruption and unchecked power. Plato, Athens, Atlantis was more than just a cautionary tale. It was a metaphorical representation of his deeply held beliefs about society and government. By using the lost civilization as a literary device, he was able to convey his warnings of these dangers and importance of leading with wisdom and virtue. According to James Rom, a professor of classics at Bard College, uh, he was dealing with a 
A number of issues, themes that ran throughout his work. Even Aristotle, a highly respected philosopher and student of Plato, was not among the believers in Atlantis. He dismissed the story of Atlantis as pure fantasy, citing the fantastical details presented in Plato's dialogue as evidence of its fictional nature. Well, while the legend of Atlantis may be a compelling story, it's not supported by the geological realities of the Earth's crust, according to archaeology professor Ken Fetter in his book, Cyclopedia of Dubious Archaeology. Theory of plate tectonics, which explains how the Earth's continents move over time, demonstrates that the existence of Atlantis is literally impossible. As the continents drifted apart, the ocean force spread, not contracted, leaving no space for an entire island to sink beneath the waves. And while the Earth's crust is in a constant state of flux with new landforms emerging and old ones disappearing over time, the movement of the continents is gradual and slow. So the idea that a large landmass like Atlantis could sink in a single catastrophic event is unsupported by any evidence, even if it's supposedly the result of brutal punishment set by displeased gods. You know, the... Um, but the story of Atlantis... Literally a lost empire um, has been the fodder for many, many stories. You know, Disney's animated classic takes us on a, an adventure as you follow a young linguist and cartographer named uh, Milo Thatch who dreams of following in his grandfather's footsteps discovering the legendary lost city of Atlantis. Well, he gets the opportunity of a lifetime when he's recruited by eccentric millionaire Preston Whitmore to join a team of experts on an expedition to find Atlantis in a high-tech submarine. The team includes a female mechanic, a wacky demolitions expert, a young doctor, and a seasoned explorer named Commander Rourke, who along the way they face a lot of challenges, including dangerous sea creatures, treacherous terrain, fierce enemies. But they manage to find the city against all odds. And they meet the peaceful Atlantean people and learned about their advanced technology and rich history. But uh, there are those that say Disney's Atlantis, the Lost Empire, in just a animated fun adventure. It's a great way to inspire kids' curiosity and spark an interest in history, archaeology, and the mysteries of the past. And it has the extra added benefit it's not woke. Well, from the mystery of Atlantis, let's talk about cryptic codes from the past. You know, the past tries to speak to us in many ways, but uh, we just don't know what it's saying. You know, history holds countless secrets that remain locked away. Many have tried and failed to decipher these signposts from long-gone civilizations. These messages left behind by our ancestors that walked these grounds Hundreds, even thousands of years ago. Well, the uh, let's talk about the mysterious Nazca lines. They've been referred to by many as a historical whodunit that continues to baffle scholars and scientists even today. Now, if you love a good mystery, there's no place better than Peru home to the famous Nazca lines that span across an enormous area of almost 200 square miles. Nazca lines are massive human-made drawings 
formed in the earth. Some depict various animal shapes, such as pelican, and which is 935 feet long, a 360-foot-long monkey, a 210-foot killer whale, and even a spider, 150 feet long. It's believed they were made by removing the iron oxide-coated uh, stones covering the, the desert surface, revealing the lighter-colored ground underneath. And these geoglyphs, created with unbelievable precision, um, they were used to create incredibly straight lines over long distances, can really only be seen when soaring through the sky in an aircraft. Which raises the question, how did our ancient creators ever appreciate or utilize these creations? Why did they do it? Um, keep in mind, if they could only be appreciated from the air, did our ancestors fly? You know, scholars have studied the Nazca lines for decades and come up with a few different possible explanations, including one related to a religious or spiritual purpose. Our old fallback of astronomical observations or even fertility rituals, which is just archaeologists saying we ain't got a clue. Others suggest that they may have been created for more practical reasons, such as serving as markers for underground water resources or as boundary lines. You can find a full discussion of that in National Geographic. The Nazca lines consist of basic geometric patterns, such as rectangles and triangles and trapezoids and straight lines and swirls. Certain swirls and zigzags begin to take on recognizable forms, such as a, a flower or a lizard or even a dog. Some speculate alien visitors are in some way responsible for these geoglyphs. But according to the History Channel, most likely creators were the Nazca culture, which emerged about 100 B.C. and thrived until 700 A.D. And it's possible that some were crafted by earlier cultures, such as the Chavan or the Paracas um, civilizations, would make them more than 2,000 years old. And though they've been studied intently for more than 80 years, their purpose is still a complete and total mystery. Well, another link to a lost civilization in Peru is the Paracas Candelabra. You know, if you arrive at Peru's Paracas Peninsula, which is located in Pisco Bay, an impressive geogriff uh, immediately grabs your attentions. This enormous artwork was skillfully etched into the hardened soil with carefully placed rocks outlining the edges of its imposing form. The Paracas Candelabra gets its name from its unique shape, resembling a candle holder. Others say it resembles a trident. This three-plung uh, figure measures almost 600 feet from top to bottom, and it's dug about two feet into the ground. The design's been roughly dated to about 200 B.C. That's according to Atlas Obscura, though uh, radiocarbon dating of artifacts found nearby um, gives only a, an approximate estimate as to the age of the structure itself. Many believe the geoglyph might actually be much older than 200 B.C. Despite being a well-known feature for centuries, the uh, original creators and purpose of the symbol still remain a mystery. Because the massive image can be seen from as far away as 12 miles out at sea, it's long been hypothesized that the 
Jill Glifford once employed as some sort of navigation tool. Another theory, according to Earthly Missions, points out that the design also resembles the hallucinogenic Jimson weed plant, suggesting it maybe uh, holds ritualistic significance. Another fallback position when you don't know what you're talking about. Research uh, continues even today, but the true purpose and meaning behind the the ancient depiction could ultimately be beyond the grasp of modern understanding. It's only the ghost of the Paraka civilization knowing its true significance. Well, let's go to Bolivia. The uh, Sahama Lines, ancient crisscrossing lines in the Andes. Now, across western Bolivia's highland plains, uh, there's a complex network of crisscrossing straight paths known as the Hama Lines. Researchers have discovered thousands of them, spanning up, uh, some 8,696 square miles. And according to the online publication uh, Historic Mysteries, these enigmatic lines across the Altiplano could date back 3,000 years or more, but remained unknown to the modern world to the beginning of the 20th century. I mean, this actually makes us wonder what else may be lying beneath our feet waiting to be discovered. From the ground, the Sahama lines simply look like areas that have been cleared of brush. But from a hill or from flight, the true craftsmanship comes into full view. These lines are created through the act of scraping away the oxidized rock and soil on the altiplano surface and veiling the lighter sub, uh, subsurface layers below. And they don't reveal any greater imagery, simply long, straight tracks created with almost compulsive precision, which must have been particularly difficult to cross the area's irregular topography and natural obstacles. So who exactly made these lines, and why'd they do it? Well, unfortunately, nobody knows, which is part of what makes them so fascinating. Like they took several generations to complete this marvel, the Tiwanaku culture, who flourished in the vicinity of Lake uh, Titicaca from 300 to 1000 A.D., have been proposed by numerous researchers as possible creators of the lines. The lines, particularly those stretching out from a central point, are more than just an intriguing enigma. They might hold the key to understanding ancient civilizations. Some researchers believe these radial centers could have uh, been important cultural sites for the Tuanaku people, serving as shrines and burial towers and even towns, according to the online publication Amusing Planet. Theories suggest that these lines could have been used by indigenous peoples to navigate as uh, their way during uh, sacred pilgrimages. The exact truth is uh, a riddle that uh, we don't have a clue of solving at the moment. Well, from Bolivia, let's go to Scotland. We're going to talk about a sophisticated and secretive culture of the Picts. Scattered across the scenic Scottish Highlands are attention-grabbing uh, Pictish stones that uh, boast ornate carvings depicting various scenes and symbols. These monuments vary in size, with the largest of them measuring seven feet in height. According to the online publication, History Hit, the earliest stones appear to have been carved in the 6th century. Now, the Picts, renowned for constructing magnificent standing stones adorned with cryptic symbols, are an idiomatic group from Scotland's past. 
In addition to putting up the stones, they also covered their bodies in tattoos and blue paint, which explains her name, which means uh, the painted ones in Latin. And this group itself remains shrouded in mystery, as historians know very little about their civilization, can only theorize about the purpose of these stones. Well, the Pictish people expressed their rich culture and beliefs through a unique system of symbols that were categorized into three distinct groups, geometric, animal, and everyday objects. These symbols were often found in pairs, and there are about 50 known Pictish symbols that have been documented to date. The symbolic system is a testament to the sophistication and creativity of the Pictish people and provides valuable, though limited, insight into their way of life. Over 200 of these intimately carved slabs have been found across Scotland, and historians have uh, proposed several possible purposes for their creation. Scholars have suggested it may function as markers for territorial boundaries, as a method of documenting marriage agreements, or may be used to depict... Uh, Pictish ranks and names, according to the Scotsman newspaper. Some even seem to commemorate great battles. And although theories abound and the research continues, there's a lot about these mysterious carvings we'll probably never be able to learn. Well, from Scotland, let's go back to Peru. The Shahuit Stones carvings. Ancient Peru has a 3D water puzzle that still perplexes historians. Now, Peru is, of course, home to several puzzling secrets and curiosities. The Shahuat archaeological site, a sacred Incan worship site, is one of the most mysterious. The Shahuat uh, stone or monolith, an enigmatic boulder adorned with numerous intricate carvings, stands out as its most remarkable feature. More than 200 geometric and zoomorphic figures depicting reptiles and felines and serpents and frogs have been carefully carved into the surface of the rock. As a group, these carvings bear resemblance to a 3D uh, relief map of an ancient city. That's going to online publication of Using Planet. Some scholars and scientists believe the Shahuat stone uh, is created as a miniature representation of the entire Incan Empire, which thrived in South America in the 14th and 15th centuries. Other researchers uh, feel that the Shahuat stone uh, was created to function as a working water model to facilitate the design, testing, and documentation of flow characteristics for irrigation and other water-related endeavors, as well as serving as a tool to educate ancient engineers and technicians on the principles and techniques of their craft. But the true purpose and meaning of this boulder, as well as its creators, is still a mystery even today. Well, you know, some mysteries have been solved. For example, the Rosetta Stone cracked an ancient code. Uh, the Rosetta Stone has featured a priestly decree about uh, King Ptolemy V in 196 B.C. is a remarkable ancient artifact that played a crucial role in deciphering one of the world's most mysterious scripts, Egyptian hieroglyphics. It was discovered by a French soldier during Napoleon Bonaparte's campaign in Egypt. Stone contained a message written in three scripts, ancient Greek, Demotic, and hieroglyphics. For centuries, scholars had puzzled over hieroglyphics and able to decipher them due to the script's uh, complex nature. Well, the Rosetta Stone changed all that. 
September 14, 1822, it's rumored that French scholar Jean-Francois Champollion burst through the doors of his brother's office declaring, I've got it, before collapsing from exhaustion. It unlocked the secret of the hieroglyphics. And how did he do that? By comparing the hieroglyphs that are corresponding names in the Greek text. The message on the stone was written, uh, the same message written in three different um, languages. This groundbreaking discovery unleashed a new era of understanding of ancient Egypt and now symbolizes the power of human curiosity, ingenuity, and perseverance. And of course, it's always nice to solve a mystery. Well, let's talk about what's been referred to as the Devil's Bible. The Codex Gigas, no more commonly as the Devil's Bible, is widely considered to be the world's largest preserved medieval manuscript. It's three feet tall with a total of 620 pages inscribed in Latin. There are 310 leaves, double-sided, and bound with wooden boards covered in leather and ornate metal fittings. This 165-pound 13th-century artifact is truly awe-inspiring. The Bible was clearly intended to be perceived as a historical document. It contains a range of historical texts, such as the Christian Bible, Encyclopedia by St. Isidore of Seville, the Jewish War, the Antiquities, the Chronicles of the Czechs by Cosmas, a Bohemian monk. It also includes a shorter text on topics such as exorcism and grammar and medieval works. Authors thought to be a lone monk who lived in Bohemia although legend says he completed the entire work in one night thanks to a, a pact he'd made with the devil. The National Library of Sweden believes the work may have taken as long as 20 to 30 years to finish. Well, the devil's Bible holds one particularly spellbinding feature, a single page that has defied comprehension, tucked away inside its covers. This play to cost almost the entire page is a Vivid, 20-inch high illustration of the Dark Lord opposite a page depicting the kingdom of heaven. Very strange and dark addition to its sacred pages. There's no shortage of conjecture, both credible and improbable, regarding uh, how the most profane being imaginable found its place in uh, the highly revered manuscript. Yet any definitive explanations remain elusive. And adding to the mystery are a series of missing pages cut from the back. Unless these pages resurface one day, the mystery of its contents will probably remain unsolved. Some mysteries are just not meant to be solved. All righty. Well, let's talk about the Festos disc. 4,000-year-old artifact in a cryptic language that defies translation. It was discovered in 1908. And the discoverer was Italian archaeologist Luigi Pernier. The Festos disc, a 4,000-year-old uh, circle made of baked clay, measured about 16 centimeters in diameter, unearthed on the Greek island of uh, Crete in the Minoan palace of Festos. This artifact believed to date back to the Minoan Bronze Age in the second millennium uh, B.C. is inscribed with spirals, symbols, 241 or 242, depending on the source. 
along with about 45 specific signs, which includes dots and dashes, have long puzzled scholars and scientists. Not only have the symbols been incredibly difficult to decipher, but the language itself has been subject to hot debate for over 100 years. According to Discovery Channel UK, the symbols on the Phaistos disc have been attributed to an astounding variety of languages, ranging from Minoan writing system Linear A, Mycenaean Linear B, Anatolian and Egyptian hieroglyphics, Semitic and even Indo-European ones. Discovery notes that symbols on the disc appear to have been imprinted into the clay, likely with a movable components like metal stamps or seals before being baked. And that makes it an even more unusual creation. And if you believe that uh, idea, you're looking at uh, the earliest known example of movable type. Technique that wouldn't be seen again until Gutenberg's Bible in 1450. And as for what it says, scholars have speculated that this could be a poem, a prayer, even a court list. And until somebody deciphers it, the possibilities are endless. Well, let's talk about a uh, cryptographic conundrum that doesn't have any end in sight. It's known as the Rahonic Enigma. As far as any manuscripts go, the Rahonic Codex still baffles historians and scholars to this day. Over 200 years' worth of attempts to decipher this mysterious text brought across 448 pages Still no closer to discovering the language or writing system, its meaning, or even who wrote it. Even the origin of the manuscript is unknown. This finely written and illustrated codex bears the name of the Hungarian city it was associated with. It was housed there until it was eventually donated to the Hungarian Academy of Science in 1838 by Count uh, Gustav Bethany. Beyond this, not a whole lot's known about it. Beyond various speculations from those enticed by its puzzling pages. If Gustav uh, ever divulged any information as to how this book got into his possession, or any information about its cryptic text, it's been lost to the past. There are approximately 800 different symbols used within the pages of this book, which is 10 times greater than the number of symbols in any known alphabet. However, since the majority of the symbols are used infrequently, it's possible they don't... uh, actually form a standard alphabet, but rather a syllabary or logographic system similar to Chinese. Cryptic text is also accompanied by about 90 pages of illustrations that depict uh, Christian, pagan, and Muslim religious, secular, and military scenes. Online publication Amusing Planet suggests a place of origin where these religions exist simultaneously is evidenced by the presence of symbols such as the cross and the crescent and even a sun slash swastika. Also been speculation, the Codex may in fact be a hoax or a forgery, but for now, the mystery is unsolved. And another unsoluble mystery revolves around the so-called Voynich Manuscript. You know, if you flip through the 240 or so vellum-bound pages of the 600-year-old Voynich Manuscript, you'll find a lot of strange characters the glyphs of a language completely unknown to the modern world. Nobody alive today can understand a word of what's written inside this manuscript. But too much work went into this fantastic piece of art for it to be nonsense. 
Alongside its indecipherable text, this medieval codex is filled with captivating illustrations that range from fanciful and imaginative to downright bizarre, making scholars all the more eager to unlock its secrets. And there are numerous naked and possibly pregnant women frolicking in waters. Flowers have no similarities to any known earthly flora, astrological and astronomical symbols, and odd creatures such as a species resembling some sort of jellyfish, clusters of roots that imitate the shapes of animals and human organs, and other oddities like two detached heads with annoyed expressions. I guess if somebody cut your head off, you'd be kind of annoyed. Some experts believe the manuscript is some sort of women's health guide. Scientists today are attempting to use AI to crack its code, so far with no success. You know, in spite of rumors to the contrary, AI is not the end-all, be-all to everything. The author of this medieval codex, written somewhere in Central Europe in the 15th century, is as mysterious as the writing itself. I mean, the book doesn't even have a title. It's a name from the rare book dealer, Wilfred Voynich, who rediscovered this text in 1912. Before that rediscovery, the Voynich manuscript uh, wound a storied, mysterious trail, vanishing and reappearing at multiple times and places over the centuries. According to the National Geographic, the Voynich manuscript was once held in the library of the Holy Roman Emperor, Rudolf II, made an appearance in a secret book sale organized by the Society of Jesus in Rome in 1903, and so on and so forth. It's almost as if this little book had a mind of its own. Another secret we can't seem to crack. Well, let's go to the Langarongo riddle. Discovered on a set of carved wooden tablets back in the 19th century on Easter Island, which, of course, is home to the mysterious giant stone heads. Rongorono is a unique writing system and the only ancient writing system that's ever been found in Polynesia. Tablets remain contain approximately 120 symbols derived from nature, including fish and plants and vegetables. And that's just the beginning of this mystery. The Rongorongo script features more than 450 variations, which can be further expanded upon to form thousands of complex and compound symbols. The wide array of stylized glyphs represent uh, human forms and plants and animals, while there's more abstract symbols like crosses and circles and chevrons. It's difficult to know for sure, but historians estimate the tablets might have been created around the 13th century. Possible meaning of the complex language behind the carved glyphs have scientists and researchers and cryptographers completely stumped. Explorers Webb reports that the mysterious Rongorongo text is likely mnemonic by nature. The prevailing uh, belief being that the uh, script holds significant religious importance. Symbols may have been indicative of the Rapa Nui culture worldview, which emphasizes the significance of the natural world, deities, and the cosmos. But uh, Rapa Nui oral history relates that uh, only select elites were literate. Some scholars believe that deciphering the enigmatic writings of Rongorongo could uh, potentially provide insight into what led to the mysterious decline of the ancient Eastern Island culture, which could potentially solve two mysteries at once. The problem is, nobody has a clue what the Rongorongo language says. Well, another mystery that has been talked about for as long as I can remember, the Sumerian King List. 
It's a roster of mythical gods and human royalty. You know, well before the advent of human civilizations, we know it. The Sumerian kings list, a collection of fragmented clay tablets with cuneiform inscriptions, talked about mythical kings akin to gods and historical human monarchs that actually existed. This list, strangely enough, starts about 266,000 years in the past, well before science believes human civilization existed. The unusual and fascinating blend of ancient history and myth, listing the kings of Sumer and neighboring dynasties, provides an interesting look at ancient Mesopotamia's colorful past. The list claims that the kingship is descended from heaven, according to the online publication Joy of Museums, with many figures uh, supposedly ruling for tens of thousands of years, showing just how revered their rulers were, whether mythical or human. And the closer you get to the end of the list, the easier it is to conform with which of these uh, figures actually exist by cross-referencing it with other existing documentation. To relatively recently, the prevailing belief among scientists that all human DNA can be traced back to a single African ancestor that lived tens of thousands of years ago, with estimates ranging between 60,000 and 200,000 years back. But uh, history was essentially rewritten in one single moment when Albert Perry decided to take a DNA test. Within his DNA was a hidden secret in the form of a uniquely distinct Y chromosome, which is absent from the majority of the current human population known lineage. This test connected him to an ancestor that lived uh, about 338,000 years ago, before the era in which these supposed uh, Sumerian kings would have lived and ruled over a civilization. Discoveries like that pose the following question. Does the Sumerian king's list, along with Albert Perry's DNA, provide evidence of a lost human civilization? Only further research would give us a, a real answer, but that's the way it appears. Well, let's talk about um, an unknown language that has been finally understood, and that's Linear B, which has been decoded. So Arthur Evans, an English archaeologist, discovered close to 3,000 tablets on the Greek island of Crete during the early 1900s. According to online resource Open Culture, these tablets were inscribed in an unknown language that he had never encountered before, and this, his extensive efforts to decrypt it were ultimately unsuccessful. But the work continued long after his death, and two modern scholars, Alice Coburn and Michael Ventris, Largely to thank for our current understanding of the script that Evans called uh, Linear B. Centuries before the Greek alphabet came into existence, Linear B was used as a writing system and is now regarded as the most ancient known form of the Greek language, disappearing with the fall of Mycenaean civilization and literacy during the late Bronze Age. Its predecessor, Linear A, is yet to be deciphered with its message still lost to time. The Linear B script, dating from about 1400 B.C. to 1200 B.C., is derived from Linear A language, which was originally used by the Minoans and later adopted by the Miocenian Greeks around 1600 B.C. The language used uh, in Linear B was a variant in the uh, Mycenaean Greek dialect and apparently had a specific use in the Mycenaean palaces. It was used for the purpose of uh, economic administration. Without dedicated scholars, linguists, and researchers, the meanings of Linear B would remain a mystery, leaving us in the dark about the lives of ancient Greeks uh, as well as their culture and practices.
certainly there's still many mysteries to be solved. Well, let's go to what may well have been the world's first temple, Gobekli Tepe. It's been shrouded in mystery since its discovery. It predates Stonehenge. This ancient site may actually hold insights into early human society and development of religion, but it's puzzled scientists and researchers for years and years. Located in southeastern Turkey, Gobekli Tepe is a megalithic site of immense significance. It's been regarded as one of the most fascinating and mysterious archaeological discoveries to date. Upon its official discovery and excavation in 1994, the site revealed a stunning display of skillfully etched, massive, T-shaped stone pillars made with uh, laser-like precision. Intricate designs of abstract symbols, people, and depictions of animals like snakes and foxes and gazelles uh, covered the pillars. The site features various enclosures, both circular and rectangular, seemingly uh, converging inward to a central point in a certain areas. These pillars cast a towering presence, some as high as 16 to 18 feet, with paths and pits surrounding them. And the weight of these limestone slabs, ranging from 7 to 10 tons, adds to this remarkably uh, remarkable feat of engineering undertaken by prehistoric people of the region. Going to the Human Origin pro uh, Project, Gobekli Tepe spans an area larger than 12 football fields, making it only 50 times bigger than the renowned Stonehenge. Oddly enough, it seems to have been intentionally buried, maybe as part of the plan from the very beginning. Well, Gobekli Tepe, according to our current understanding of early human society and development, shouldn't exist. Dating indicates these structures are more than 11,000 years old, establishing them as some of the earliest monumental structures known to humanity. It's older than Stonehenge by... Um, about 6,000 years. According to the BBC, archaeological analysis shows that uh, the site predates the invention of agriculture, indicating it was built by hunter-gatherers who had yet to develop pottery, writing, or metal tools, which is evidenced by the stone tools discovered and dated in the area. It's been a widely held belief among scholars that only with the advent of farming and settled communities could people have had the resources, organization, and leisure time needed to construct temples and support integrated social uh, structures. But it appears our understanding of the development of human civilization societies is flawed. Thousands of animal bones belonging to wild species rather than domesticated ones were unearthed during the excavation. And there was a notable absence of evidence when it came to domesticated grains and plants. Well, we didn't even know what the purpose of Gobekli Tepe was. We think it's the world's first temple, but then again, we don't know. Well, until our next show, that's the end of our discussion of mysteries. So until tomorrow, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show, saying have a truly great evening.